Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, uh, uh. your usual duo here with you on a beautiful Monday afternoon. It is steamy. Steamy. It is steamy in Baltimore. A little steamy. I mean, this be- is the dog days of August. Beautiful, and that's perfect because they have a dog days of August coming up this Thursday. Pork, bring pork. your bring your pups to the park. Great time for everybody. Uh, I know my girlfriend uh, will probably uh, bring Helga again if she's got Helga. tickets. Speaking of my girlfriend, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, I took her golfing yesterday for the first time ever in her life. She went actually golfing. She had yeah. been to a driving range before, but had never been golfing. Like you played the whole nine? So we played nine of a par three course. All right. You know, not in, I won't, I won't reveal its name, not in the best of conditions. Okay. Um, but you know, for a first time went pretty well. There was like nobody behind us and that was the most important yeah, thing. So she could take her that's, time. That's key. Yeah. Um, but we are on hole number one. She hits a great drive. It's like a super short hole, like 80 yards. Uh, it, it goes into the sand trap, but like of everything that I was consider, you know, expecting, solid drive, just a little bit off to the right. She's in the trap, got to hit her first ever sand shot. Um, I, you know, am, I gave her my sand wedge. I'm like, you know, showing her a little bit how to hit a sand shot. I'm like, I just got to hit behind the ball a little bit. Yep. I'm not a great golfer myself, but I'm, I'm teaching what I know. And I am standing... Literally almost at a 90-degree angle to her. She is facing the the green, and I am standing where I think is a very safe space, <laughs> about 12 feet from her or so. Yeah. First swing just hits sand, doesn't hit anything. Yeah. Se- second swing nails me in the chest, Bobby. <laughs> I won't the reveal the, the on this video. With the ball? With the ball. Oh, my God. Hit hit a rib. I'll tell you, if it were a foot higher or, like, two feet lower, that could have been an issue. Oh, yeah. But it was, I mean, it, of all places to get hit, it you know, right in the chest is not terrible. I can hear the sound you made, too, because every time I give you a pat on the back, you always go, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just, did you get the wind knocked out of you? Uh, I did not. It, yeah. was, it was okay. I mean, also... You know she can't hit the ball very hard at this That's stage, true, I guess. so that really helped. But it was I it <laughs> I really had no. It showed off how poor my reaction time is. <laughs> yeah, I did not get even close to get out of the way. But I'm telling you, I probably made a pretty. A ridiculous face. I mean, that's time. a one in a million shot right there. There's she. Yeah. I mean, no offense to Aaron, but I'm sure she couldn't do that if she tried. No, like yeah. she, if she was aiming for you, she would be able to hit you. No, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah. She must have had her club face way open. Yeah, yeah. She hit just straight balled, got no sand on it. <laughs> so that's getting almost worse too. Because it's like yeah. a line drive shot to it was your chest. A, it was a line drive, and not getting any sand. It's not even lofted. Just. They say when stuff like that happens, it happens in slow motion. That's not true, all right? It happened at 100 but I know miles an hour. Everyone knows that feeling of, like, you, I see it coming at me, yeah. and there is nothing I can do. I, yep. if, even if I, I – there's just nothing I can do. It's I have to accept yeah. it. It's going to hit me, and it's going to suck, but it's hilarious. I'm glad you're okay. Thank I'm you. Glad nothing, I'm glad we can laugh it's about it. It's a little sore. It's yeah. a little sore today. The sound I will hear in my nightmares is the ball whizzing through the air. Was it something you guys were able to laugh about, or yes. was she, like, yes. panicked? Like, oh, my God, are you okay? Well, she laughed at first and then immediately went into panic. Yeah. But I was, I was okay. It just, uh, just a little sore today, just a slight bump. 
Uh, so this was yesterday, nothing, Sunday. This was yesterday. Okay. Nothing, nothing terrible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, happened on the first hole, so I played through. I'm a tough played guy. Through, yeah. You know. <laughs> Just uh, job, that's a story. I'm proud of you. That's a story to have. Um, the Orioles sort of took a golf ball in the chest yesterday. Oof. Um, playing the Red Sox, uh, blowing a six nothing lead. Unfortunately, um, they have now lost seven straight. It has been a. It was a very brutal road trip. They come back home, so that's good. And the good news is they play some easier teams over the next few weeks, trying to get them some wins as they head toward the final stretch of the su- of the summer and of, of the season because, wow, I mean, it was a brutal road trip, but you could see it coming from a mile away. Yeah, I mean, we talked about because after that uh, weekend series when they split against the Blue Jays and they played really well, and we were talking about how that weekend season, or series, excuse me, was kind of a microcosm of their season. Mm-hmm. But then we looked ahead and we're like, but, you know, enjoy this while you can because it does not get easier when you're yeah. playing the Yankees uh, in two out of the next three series with the Astros sandwich in between. Um, and then you go to Boston to play the Red Sox. It's just a brutal stretch for the Orioles. You, you, you feel bad for these guys because they go out every day and they're trying. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, these teams are just better than them. Yeah. They're that much better than them. And they haven't won a game since that crazy Sunday uh, walk-off win, Rio, Rio Ruiz. Ruiz home run against the Astros. And, you know, that's just... You know, sometimes the way it's going to go when you're talking about rebuilding teams, teams that are going through tough times, looking down the line, not almost a day-to-day kind of thing. Um, Tip tip the cap, obviously, to Brandon Hyde. I mean, because they could easily just roll over. And, you know, and and, and these teams are just that much better. You think about that, that last game in New York against the Yankees. Uh, six to five. I mean, it was like that was the game where Renato Nunez went five for five. They were down, but then they cut it to one. I think they had. I think they had the tying run on base in the ninth yeah. before, uh, or maybe even bases loaded before. Uh, I forget who it was, but struck out to end the game. But man, uh, you know, yes, the win loss record isn't where you want it to be. But Paul, we talked about this time and time again on this podcast. Is you know the effort is there, and, yeah. and they're not complete out of the game. If you look, even look back to that Yankee series. You know that doubleheader, that second game, eleven to eight. I think at one point it was like eleven to four, yeah. and they fought back to cut it to three, and they had a chance in the ninth to kind of tie the game or make a game of it. So yes, the scoreboard shows a loss, but I think you have to look deeper into these games and say, hey, they're go- they're grinding out there. They're they're obviously not one of the better teams in the baseball right now, but that doesn't mean they're not giving one hundred percent of the effort. The two final games of those two series with the Yankees, that six to five loss that you mentioned, and then yesterday's brutal. 13-7 to seven loss to the Red Sox were the most painful because they were so close for a while, and in that Red Sox just game got away from them. didn't end up being close, but that was, uh, you know, they had that 6 nothing lead. It looked like the Red Sox were ready to roll over, and they couldn't pull it out. The good news is, out of all of this, that the Orioles have put themselves in position to once again secure the number one overall pick. Yes. Tankathon.com uh, does a, uh, you know, looks at uh, the odds of all these teams making it down the stretch and who's going to end up with the top few picks. So the Orioles currently are the, have the second worst record at this point and only a half game up on the Detroit Tigers, who they were four games up on a little while ago. And they have a crucial couple weeks beginning with five games against the Kansas city Royals. And then over a stretch of uh, two different series and then four games in Detroit, right in the middle of September, 
uh, that could determine whether or not the Orioles get the number one overall pick. Yeah, and again, we're not advocating that the Orioles should be going out there and trying to lose every game. We nope. know that's not Brandon nope. Hyde's mindset. That's not the player's mindset. But from our standpoint, I think, from the fan standpoint, maybe even the front office's standpoint, you know, if you're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball, one of them, you know, why not just be the worst? You might as well. Well, you might as yeah. well just get... Because, again, we talked about... There's no Adley... Um, as of yet, there's no definite Adley Rutschman in next year's draft. So you don't know who, who for a fact, is going to be the number one overall pick. But you would want that to be in your control. You yeah. don't want to be picking... Is there going to be a huge drop-off between who's drafted number one and number two? We don't know. Maybe, yeah. but maybe not. So it could not matter down the line, but I think you would rather have it in your hands rather than the Tigers' hands or the Royals' hands, you know, yeah. picking second or third. You might as well just be the worst team and, and secure that number one overall pick. That way you get back-to-back -back number one overall picks, and that's a really good way to start your rebuild. I'm sure Mike Elias, you know, I'm not, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking, yeah, I would love a, another number one overall pick right yeah. now. I want the team to do well on the field in 2019, but if we get the number one overall pick again in 2020, I'm going to be a happy GM. I mean, if you have, uh, obviously this is probably a false equivalency, but I'm going to make it anyway. If you have a chance to get a Zion Williamson or a, a drop off to like an RJ Barrett or whatever it was in the NBA draft. Yeah. You want the Zion Williamson. You right. want, you want the better player. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, it, a few games here or there, a few nice wins will feel great in the moment, but ultimately you want to look long-term as you do with, with all of this stuff. It also came yesterday's game. I was all ready to, to fire out a great tweet because there was a sports illustrated article, I think by John Taylor that had just come out that day about Major League Baseball suggesting that uh, Major League Baseball start relegating teams or threatening to relegate I saw teams that, yeah. to uh, the minor leagues. I can't say how bad of a take that is. You that think is so? that is a horrific take. I really think. I think it's not. And, I, and Taylor is a really good and Sports Illustrated, obviously very great. But I, I just think that was a terrible, terrible take. I think it's um, it's not uh, baseball is not structured to be like. It's, yeah. So what are you going to bring up the tides? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the way that the minor league system is set up, where each major league team has minor league clubs affiliated with it, I don't think it's structured in a way yeah. that because again, also then I mean then you have to get into the thing. Well, then are you allowed to bring up and put down as many players as you? It would as cause. You want? Yeah, it, it, I think it just caused a little chaos. I like chaos. Excuse me. I like the idea of kind of thinking outside the lines right. and, and you know outside the box to to try to solve this. I don't even think it's an issue. Honestly, I, I personally don't think it because yeah. if you look at Paul, the I'm gonna look at the overall standings like from in all of Major League Baseball, but I think baseball has had the most turnover in terms of competitive teams than any other sport in the last two decades. Yeah. Uh, they're the only of the four major league sports in the America who hasn't had a back to back champion since the '99 2000 Yankees. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy to think obviously about. the NFL then the Patriots have won Super Bowls uh, you know NBA, for obviously NBA the Warriors dynasty hockey the the, uh, the Penguins um, so yes Red Sox Yankees um, they've all won multiple World Series but then you've got teams like the Astros who did a rebuild who the Cubs who were you know the lovable losers for so long and now they're one of the best teams in baseball over the past was what four or five seasons with the World Series championship yeah. and you look at the bottom of major league standings the Tigers the Orioles the Kansas City Royals those are three teams that made up 
the AL playoffs back in 2014. Yeah. The Royals made back-to-back World Series, winning one of them in 2015. Uh, the Blue Jays, the, uh, the, the Marlins are the next team, but they have not made the playoffs, I believe, since their last World Series win. Um, the Blue Jays, they played the, they hosted the wild card game in 2016. They made an ALCS, I believe, the year before that. That was the whole Jose Batista bat flip year. Yep. Uh, the Pirates have made the postseason a handful of times. They made it what three three straight years? I think three straight years. Yeah. yeah. Seattle, I don't believe they made a play, uh, the postseason in a while. The White Sox won a World Series uh, 15 years ago, so that's not too recently. Right. But again, the Rockies have been were, there. The Rockies, ninth worst team in baseball right now, were. Uh, beat the Cubs last yeah. year in that wild card game. Yeah, and they were on. Um, so it's there's a there's so much, and then you look at the top. You know, take away the obviously the Yankees, the Dodgers, but the Astros they were bad for so long. Yeah. Now they're competitive. The Twins that were mediocre to bad for so long. Now they're back to a division leader team. Cleveland was bad for forever, and that's why that Cleveland Chicago Cubs World Series was so great because it's like one of these teams is finally going to yeah. break their curse. Uh, the Braves have been going back and forth between mediocrity and bad for so long and now they're uh looking at back-to-back division titles the rays are finally back in it the when, when was the last time the twins were really good i mean seriously mid-2000s yeah. when i think they beat the yankees in an, an, an alds back when joe mauer was like yeah, in his, like his pr- mid-20s or yeah. early before he even hit his prime so yeah. again i the, the point is that they kind of go into a rant there's been more turnover in baseball than ever before yeah. and i think or any, any other sport recently so i think this the, the process of rebuilding has worked out for teams and i think it's been good for the sport because again orioles aren't actively tanking they're not going out there and throwing out you know you know if they were actually tanking they why would why bother start trey mancini every day why bother try to go out and win, bring up why bother bring up hunter harvey and right. have him go throw you know a solid inning and an important inning so it's they're not actively trying to lose they're just not good enough to win yeah. and and they know that and they're and they're accepting that and and trying to get the number one overall pick and you railed against John Heyman all the time, but his ridiculous. I mean, now I don't want to give him too much attention. Yeah. But the take that he had of why not even, you know, why not sign a couple guys here and try? They did that last year. They thought last year that they were on the cusp of being a wild card team or maybe being the best team in the American League East. They weren't. They went, you know, after they signed the. the Shocker, Andrew, Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner weren't the difference between them and the Yankees and the Red Sox. Right. So they had to do what they had to do, which was rebuild. I mean, yeah. these teams are doing this to get better. Yeah. And every team has an ebb and flow in terms of a success rate. Yeah. That's how it should be. You can't say what the Orioles is doing is bad for baseball and then say, I love Astro Ball. Yeah, it's the yeah. same it's thing. The it's same. literally the same thing. Yeah. We have the guy who was a main <laughs> part of that Astro Ball philosophy in the front office in Baltimore. Like, it's the same thing. And what's bad for baseball is a national, a prominent national writer bashing a small market team for trying to get better in an unconventional way. Yeah. And like, what, like, just for attention. Again, I don't, we don't yeah. want to give him attention. But, no, but And nobody remembers that, nobody, like, it's like people have such a short-term memory that they don't even remember the Astros being terrible for right. so long. Yeah. The Astros were terrible. For so long. For they lost 100 games for three straight seasons, all because they were trying to do this, and it succeeded. But everybody seems to forget the fact that this has been happening 
for 10 years and odds are it works. Yeah. It works. And it, it creates this constant churn where the bottom teams become the top teams and then it's a rebuilding cycle. Yeah. And it has to be that way in order for these markets to remain competitive and interesting. Like with the Royals, they, they were so successful. Then they said, you know what? We're not one of the top end markets. We're not going to be able to pay guys ridiculous amounts of money we have to fall back into a less competitive cycle so that in a 2021 a 2022 we can become more successful yeah. it is teams are taking advantage of the system and the thing is this it's not even you one you can't blame the teams obviously because they're taking advantage of of these these the way that the league is is set up and two it works yeah it has been proven to work that they become successful and it's good for the league when teams like the Astros who had not had a tremendous amount of success in their history are all of a sudden the World Series champions. Right. And the Twins who, you know, it took forever for them to be become a quality team. All of a sudden the Minnesota market is now bursting. The Cleveland Indians, who were the joke of Major League Baseball, they go to the World Series, and all of a sudden, Cleveland is one of the centers of the baseball world. So it, it creates a, a natural ebb and flow, and you can't blame the teams for doing it. And there's, frankly, I don't see the, that much wrong with it. No, no, I don't think, I agree. And, and also to the point of, you know, what are the Orioles supposed to do? <laughs> like, go, yes. back, go back to last year. Like, how? I mean, they're in an arguably the toughest division in baseball not just because of the competitive nature, but financially. Like yeah. You, they're going against the Yankees and the Red Sox, two of the highest payrolls in all of baseball. What are the Orioles supposed to do with half that payroll in terms of being competitive? Yeah. I mean, they got lucky in the sense, not lucky, but you know, they had the window of being competitive because of guys like Adam Jones, homegrown guys like Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope coming up and being all-stars yeah. and, and superstars. So, you know, and that's not going to happen all the time. They can't go out and buy a DJ LeMahieu like, no. like the Yankees can and expect him to have a great season. They can't go, you know, Aaron Judge is a home guard, homegrown prospect, but, you know, the, the Orioles wouldn't be, like we saw with Manny Machado, they won't be able to pay him the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that he's going to require when the Yankees are going to, yeah, that's, right. that's pocket cash for us. And they are so many, they, the, the situation that Michael Elias was handed, this, this roster was so many players away from competition yeah like and, and up and down the roster this could be a completely different starting nine in their starting lineup when they are a competitive team that is back in the wild card back in the al east could be a completely different because the the yankees on, honestly the yankees 12th best player is probably better than the second best player in the yeah. orioles that's just you can't buy a team in an entire off season yeah. and expect to be good and because it one, it's a waste of money and a waste of resources, and two, it's foolhardy. Yeah, it's what and, and Dan Duquette, to his credit, kept this team competitive for so long. But the reason that they fell off was because they were trying to fix holes with free agents. They were not paying enough attention to the farm system. They were not paying enough attention to the international. Uh, international signing okay. bonus money, yeah. and they were throwing money away on guys that were not going to be long-term fixes. They were thinking short-term every single year, and it worked to a point, but then it fell apart, and Michael Elias has done what he had to do in resetting the time, resetting the clock, and saying we're going to think long-term again because we will be good again. Yeah. We're not going to throw away waste fans' time by trying to towed out a ma a minor you know like a, a mediocre team that's going to end up the third best team in in the AL East for the 
you know, every single year, yeah. we want to win the World Series. Right. That's what we want to do. Yeah. And that's what these teams are trying to do. We talked about how mediocrity is like the worst thing you can be in any sport. Yes. Like if you're middle of the pack, that's that's the last place you want to be. You either want to be the top or the bottom because the bottom, yes, it sucks to be the worst team, but at least there's an opportunity for you to exactly grow your prospects, grow, gain assets in terms of through the draft, uh, international signing bonus money, um, composite compensatory picks in the, in the draft. So, yeah, they're in a good spot right now. Again, we, this whole conversation started about where they should, where we, we want them to end in the draft. Obviously, the number one overall pick is ideal, but you know, if you're in the top three, you can still get a guy. Because remember last, I mean, this past draft, the day of the draft, we were expecting. Whoa, I mean, the Orioles could go someone outside of Ali Rushman, yeah, like Bo- a Bobby Wood Jr. So if you're in the top three, you're gonna get a guy that could be, maybe not a face of the franchise, but like you know, a guy that could be. Join with Adley Rushman, someone who is just the centerpiece of this rebuild. Someone yep. who, you know, this guy is going to be a stud for us. We're going to draft him. We're going to grow him. And he's going to be an Oriole for the next 10-plus years and a guy that we think that can be central to us getting back to competition yep. and competitive. And I'm all for if you if people, and I'm sure there's so many fans that think that there is an issue with these teams being extremely non-competitive and so many teams losing 100 games. And I, while I don't agree with it, I understand it. Yeah. I, and I'm for different solutions being thrown out there, but the idea that you would relegate teams to the minor leagues, which is, he, he even said in the article, it's never going to happen. Why even throw it out there then? It, it just wastes people's time. It's just a waste yeah. of time. It, yeah. Like, it, it, there are legitimate solutions that we've heard in ways that you can try to motivate teams to win just slightly more games so that you don't lose 100. And, you know, there, there are different things with a lottery system for the number one overall pick and different ways that you can prohibit them from losing. But to throw out there an idea that is, it, it's just, it turns out to be, I think uh, fans are rightly insulted by that. To yeah. say that your team does not deserve to be a major league team. Yeah. That's insulting. Yeah. And I, I don't remember... I mean, I don't remember when the EPL started doing the regulation relegation. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, so I don't remember like know what their reasoning for bringing that part. I mean, obviously to stop tanking, but right. you know that the soccer system in in England is not set up the way same way the baseball in America is set up. You know, with terms of minor league clubs and stuff like that. So I mean, I agree that like. You know, the, to the point of, well, he even admitted this is not going to happen, so why bring it up? I think it's just kind of, let's just, you know, toss it out there. Right. Get the wheels turn, turning and, and figure out, add to the conversation or start the conversation of well, how do we fix this? And Paul and I, you, you and I have talked about how we think what baseball could do to, you know, improve the regular season, improve the lottery, the drafting, um, solve this quote-unquote tanking problem. I don't think you and I think it's a problem yeah. but you know i can see why people don't really like it i can see why baseball probably doesn't like it because it means less money for them the yeah. owners don't like it means less money for them but you know that's maybe a topic where we can visit you know during this off season where you know it's like all right well what what could baseball do to you know improve this situation yeah Wow, my bu- blood pressure yeah, is you back man, down to a normal you're, level. You're jittery. <laughs> you're like shaking. Your, I can, yeah. Tri- hey, don't worry. John Hammond gets me a little triggered too. Yeah, uh, just the fact that he keeps yeah. attacking not just this team, but even us as people who cover the team. Right. Like, I feel bad for them. It's like, dude, you're doing this for attention. Why, why, you're a national writer. You are well, you are every baseball fan in America, in the world knows your name. Right. Why do you feel the need to swim yeah. or grab at such hang, low hanging fruit? Exactly. Um, and, and, and people get so riled up and respond to him and you're, you're giving him exactly what he wants. So yeah. enough, let exactly. him, let him, 
cry on Twitter by himself. Um, and we'll see who's laughing when the orders are good again in exactly. five plus years. Uh, we'll we'll mute his name from this podcast as as much as we can down the stretch. All right, unless he breaks like Bryce Harper news again. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, we are going. The uh, there was some actually good news from the weekend in Fenway. Hunter Harvey made his major league debut, long anticipated. We looked back at his entire timeline. Uh, for how he got up to that point and how he did in his Major League debut. We're going to touch on that right after this word from Amy Jennings. What's up, O's fans? Amy Jennings here. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Masson All Access Podcast. After it's over, I want you to head over to MassonSports.com where Rock Kubako breaks down some season-ending injuries and the Orioles farm system, and Steve Molesky shows how the O's farm system matches up against the rest of the league. All of that and more at MassonSports.com. Check it out. Back here on the Mass and All Access Podcast, Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Good news from the weekend. Hunter Harvey making his Major League debut against the Red Sox through one inning. Struck out two, one walk. Solid performance by Hunter Harvey. Uh, what a way to come to the Major Leagues. What a path to the major leagues Hunter Harvey has had. Whoa, it's been a long road, it feels like. And it's kind of uh, bittersweet because Hunter Harvey might be like one of the last prospects of, let's call it like the old age Orioles <laughs> yeah, from the, the past, from like the Duquette era. Because, you know, he was one of the guys that along with Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman were going to be like the one, two, three punch in this starting rotation. And now, yeah. I mean, Bundy, I think, technically made his major league debut out of the bullpen as well. So, I mean, it's not who's to say he's not going to eventually be a starter again. But just the in, amount of injuries he's faced and come back from um, to get to this point, uh, obviously, congratulations. It's good for you. I mean, you worked your butt off to get here. You deserve it. But, you know, again, it's one of the – and then to throw out a, a, a scoreless inning um, yeah. against the Red Sox in Fenway, pre- pretty cool to make your debut at Fenway Park. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just kind of like another one of those ah, what could have been moments for the for the Orioles looking back on it because like, this rotation – was again was supposed to be like the future of of the team, and, and yeah. for the longest time, starting pitching was the Achilles heel of this Orioles team. They had the power bats, they had solid defense, but they could not get. They had the great bullpen for a couple of years, but they could not get their starting rotation. And all fans were just saying, "Like, oh, we'll just wait for Hunter Harvey, just wait for Bundy to turn it around." Calling Kevin Gosman, you know, obviously Gosman no longer with the team. Bundy hasn't really lived up to the hype and see if Hunter Harvey can possibly be a bright spot for this Orioles team moving forward uh, for the rest of this season and hopefully years to come. Yeah, I'm sure fans have shifted their expectations for him, Um, but to the point where almost if he can give you anything, that would be a positive, considering there were times when it seemed like this guy was never going to get here. Yeah, I wrote down some of the key points in his timeline since the moment he was drafted back in June, and wow, uh, it took me quite a long time to compile the full list of injuries and transactions that he has undergone since uh, he was drafted by the Orioles. It is a ridiculously long list. Bobby, do you mind if I run through it? Go for it. It's as good, quickly as possible. It's a good chunk of space on our notes. Yes. So, drafted back in 2013, 22nd overall, first-round pick. July 2014, so this is a, a year full year later, he was shut down for the remainder of the season with a right elbow strain. That was the first time... He had really experienced problems with that elbow, and it would not be the last time. February 2015, he's invited to O-Spring training. He's healthy. He uh, is with the major league team, eventually relegated to minor league camp. And then on one of the backfields, he is hit by a comebacker in the ankle, 
gets x-rays and end up having to be sidelined four to six weeks with a fractured fibula. One of the many examples of just a freak accident happening to this kid and resetting his timeline. Yeah, it was, this is caveat for this timeline. It's like, this is a string of bad luck for yeah, the kid. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that, oh, he never fulfilled it because he couldn't get here. No, it's just he, he can never stay healthy, and yeah. that's you know, not entirely his fault. And like that instance right there, come back into the ankle. I mean, come on. There's nothing he can do about that. May, uh, May 2015, elbow tightness, uh, that same elbow giving him problems. Then uh, in September, he was shut down for the, uh, a, an extended amount of time with a recurrence of that right elbow and forearm discomfort. February 2016, gets invited to the Major League Camp, again relegated to Minor League Camp. And then in March 2016, he strains his groin. That becomes another major issue for him. He had a setback in April 2016 with that groin injury. Ended up needing sports hernia surgery in May 2016. So now this is three years after he has been drafted. He has played very little. He's been invited to Major League Camp twice. um, But he is already way behind schedule, I think. Now, granted, he was drafted as a high schooler, so he still was, uh, you know, young when he was brought to this team, I believe. But... um, seemingly behind schedule with injuries that just didn't seem to go away. Yeah. And again, 24 years old. He's only 24 right now. So not the end all, although, you know, not the end yeah. of his career. It's not like this is a kid who's coming up on 30 and he can't yeah. stay healthy. And he's still 24, still has plenty of time. Um, and I just remember look, looking back at these, like the 2015 season and 16 season, I can't remember. I feel like Part of the reason it was so disappointing, yes, he was one of the top prospects in the organization, but I think the Orioles were also trying to groom him to come to make like a September call-up type situation because back in those seasons, obviously 16, they made the wild card game, but 15, they were still trying to be competitive and make a playoff push. So they were hoping that he would become a guy, kind of like they brought up just now, a, yeah. a power arm that they with, with good stuff that they can, you know, throw it out of the bullpen if needed, lay down the inning, especially yeah. when the rosters expanded to September. And he was never able to do that because he kept having to be shut down. Yeah. And then in July 2016, uh, he left a start in Aberdeen with uh, right flexor mass soreness. That's always a problem. And then later that month, had to have Tommy John surgery. So that, of course, set him back for a full year. He yeah. finally returned to baseball in, in July 2017. So now we're four years away from his draft day. Um, he was, makes his way up to double A, and then in April 2018, he got recalled for two days. So he, he got called up for two days. It looked like he was used as a, he was brought into the bullpen, so he, they made it clear if they were going to use him, they were going to use him out of the bullpen. Did not see any action, sent right back down. Um, and then, unfortunately, that wasn't the end of his injury issues. He wasn't even able to have a full season after that. So last August, a year ago, he was shut down for the season with, again, right elbow discomfort. And then in September, he had more discomfort in the elbow, finally was able to make his return this spring. Pitches okay, has a, I believe had a four-plus ERA in the minors in between Norfolk and Bowie so far this year. And then gets called up last late last week, makes his major league debut Saturday. It is what? August 2019, mm-hmm. it has been six years since he has been drafted, still only 24, um, but considering how little baseball this guy has played over the course of his career, kind of uh, a, a very wild path to make his debut. It's kind of like, 
now that he's finally healthy, let's get him up here <laughs> while we still, while we can before yeah. you know knock him before something God forbid something else happens to him because yeah stuff plays. I mean the ninety eight mile per hour fastball, he's got a solid changeup. We saw Brandon Hyde uh, talk about it after Saturday's game. Is like this kid. I mean it's just a shame that he's always hurt because his stuff can play up here and and it he's he could be again. We're not sure the long term plan for Hunter Harvey in terms of starter or reliever, but right now the way. This season has gone, and and his career has gone to this point. Probably best suited coming out of the bullpen as to kind of limit those innings that he uses. Yep. Um, but it's, that's a very coveted arm coming out of the bullpen. If you can have high heat and also some good stuff in your off-speed pitches, um, that could get some solid outs for for, for your team uh, down the stretch in um, in September now August too, obviously. Yeah, between that, those four batters he faced against the Red Sox Saturday, it's fast a, average fastball velocity, ninety eight miles per hour, ninety eight point seven miles per hour, close to ninety nine on all of his fastballs, and a difference in ten miles per hour between his fastball and his changeup. Yeah. Average changeup velocity was eighty nine. You mentioned it, Bobby. That stuff plays. Yeah, and and to list all of those injuries is not to to try to bring him down and, and rehash all this stuff for that purpose, but to say it is it is impressive. Yeah. It is impressive that he has overcome that incredibly long list of injuries and setbacks. And so to overcome that and to, at this point, look, the fact that he even, and you, you mentioned, Bob, we don't know long-term, we don't know if he's going to succeed long-term, but the fact that he was just able to get there and a pitch and inning at Fenway Park speaks to the incredible nature of this story and his resiliency. And it's a bright spot, honestly, for this Orioles bullpen. I mean, yeah. or pitching staff, you know, it's again, this is a, a, a pitching staff that has been beaten to a pulp. And we talked, I mean, they've given up so many runs, especially recently, you know, being outscored, I think almost, almost to the point of being doubled up over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. We talked about earlier in this episode about schedule against the Yankees, Astros, Yankees, Red Sox. That's that's obviously brutal. Some of the best teams in baseball, but a bright spot for a top prospect, a guy who has had, you know, his ups and downs, mostly downs, yeah. a long way to get here and to be that successful in a solid ending of play. I mean, it's kind of like, all right, you know, now assuming that he's here for the major league club for the remainder of the season, or at least kind of the quote unquote long term in 2019, you know, it's someone to look forward to coming out of the pen. Um, it may be in type tight spots we'll see how Brandon Hyde uses him you know in close games we mentioned about the schedule getting a little easier these they hopefully the Orioles are more competitive against the Royals this week uh, possibly the Rays and the Royals again in a couple weeks so maybe they're playing tighter games down the stretch and later innings that are gonna matter and we'll see Hunter Harvey pitching some of those and that could be a reason to watch and for a team that needs some good stories for the final month plus of the season Think we're going to get some on September first or right. whenever those call ups happen. This is like the first September call up, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, um, you exciting know, his, guy. His presence is definitely welcome, and and hopefully he has some good uh, appearances out of the bullpen. And of course, that you know they didn't pitch him yesterday. Just give him give him plenty of days off, give him plenty of rest, um, and just get him ready. And and hopefully he's an exciting storyline the last month of the season. Yep. That just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast we need you to rate subscribe all of that good stuff give us five stars we will potentially read out your review if you review us with five stars on apple Podcasts, google play spotify soundcloud you can catch us streaming on the mass and all access facebook page you can catch catch us streaming on the mass and uh, mass and orioles youtube page anywhere you can find podcasts you can find the mass and all access podcast you can find bobby blanco on twitter at 
Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul, where are you? I'm at Paul Mancano. Thanks again for tuning into the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today.